What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of A Little More Good. Really, really excited to have you join us for today's show. It's it's a good one. It's a good one. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We're, uh, we're chatting with the one and only Kimberly Carroll. Ooh, tell me about Kimberly, Dina. Yeah, well, she is a coach, but not just in the conventional sense of like life coaching, but takes it to the level of like people who really are change makers, like doing big things in the world. They're like big hearted people, go-getters, and uh, maybe they've been, you know, stuck or needing a little shift. She like helps them find their value, find their purpose, um, and does so with lots of laughter, uh, innovative techniques, a soulful approach that she brings in who she is, and uh, really, really is someone who helps create change and influence and we always talk about like ripples you know we make these actions and they have these ripples that go out and we 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 may or may not always see where they land i feel like kimberly is someone who makes lots of ripples in her life and in the lives of people she connects with so really really excited to share this episode with you all today she's throwing lots of stones unpacking those high performance habits power tools for change makers healing damaging beliefs and patterns so you can be clear and confident um we get into all sorts of stuff, the change maker, the change maker breakthroughs, and uh, we get into animal rights and veganism, social justice and intersectionality, uh, creating daily practices of cultivating healing, wisdom, creativity and aliveness. Um, yeah, we unpack a lot. How to change the world without uh, losing your shit is one of her taglines. Yes. So, um, I think there's a lot of pressure and anxiety with with the state of the world whether it's climate change recession you know climate doom financial doom there's a lot of doom out there right now yeah. and and kimberly is turning on the light and showing that it it doesn't have to be scary it doesn't have to be full of fear and white knuckling things um she's got a ton of takeaway actionable daily steps so that you can be living your best life. I love those habits, you know, those high-functioning habits because they're they're easy takeaways. There could be something simple of of changing your five-minute routine when you wake up in the morning that can have that domino effect that can change how you do everything. Yeah. And Kimberly's illuminating those, those little things that make big differences. Yes, yes, very true. And so if you're someone who's like an activist, if you're in the nonprofit space, you're an entrepreneur, you know, uh, whatever you might be, whatever work you take up in the world, being able to identify how it is you can be most effective and do so with all of the kind of vim and vigor and also joy is, uh, is kind of her jam. So it's a really, really good one. Yes. And she uh, runs the Animal Justice Academy, uh, Animal Justice Team, and helps run the Toronto Vegetarian Food Bank as well. So she does a lot of good, this lady. Yes, very, very good. All right, before this episode rolls, this episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Diener, you had a little getaway this uh, past week. It was very nice. How did it go? Well, it was good. You know, anytime you can get get uh, spend some spend some quality time away with with the fam, it's always nice. But uh, extra nice was bringing bringing those little travel packs of ag1 along with me made it through all the tsa security all of that stuff no questions asked and um 
really, really was just uh, so good in keeping up that daily ritual. I find that like when you travel, sometimes everything kind of gets thrown off. Your routines, your habits, your rituals go out the window. But um, keeping up with that simple morning routine, the the wake and shake was uh, was so good. And okay, this is maybe TMI for some people. Let's hear it. But lots of times in the past when I've traveled, I always get, you know, a little bit uncomfortable, feel like a little bit uh, irregular, if you will, in terms of my daily movements. Um, And with the probiotic and prebiotic, I swear in AG1, like I was just completely uninterrupted in my routines, if you know what I mean. And which is is a big deal because you go away, you want to feel good. And I was just like, man, this is different. And I'm like, what's different? Well, me taking that daily... AG1. Yeah. You know, if there's blockage in your body, there's blockage in your energy and where where things flow, your energy goes. Not to say your energy goes down the (laughs) toilet, but, uh, you know, you want things in motion. Yeah. But it was just, I mean, that aside, it was so good to have that just ritual, that connection morning moment of, you know, getting up and having a little AG1 and scooting off to the gym for the morning. It just was so good. So kept me kept me fueled and healthy throughout the day you don't always eat the same when you're on vacation as well and so i know that uh being able to to have those little travel packs full of goodness there you go travel packs for the win yeah the other thing i love i've been loving with athletic greens is you know a lot of our our friends a lot of our community a lot of our listeners have have got on the athletic greens wagon and just hearing everybody's feedback and experience is, is incredible people yeah are it's been trans transform formative bringing athletic greens ag1 into their morning rituals uh we love hearing your stories of how ag1's improved your life so if you are like us and you're on the ag wagon let us know how it's going if you're not yet on the wagon uh we got some perks for you yeah there's room on the wagon there's a big wagon <laughs> Definitely. We want to we want to get you on. We want to get you on the AG1 wagon. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five of those travel packs for free with your first purchase. So if you got a little vacay coming up, you can make sure you're all looked after. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash more good. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash more good to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Ooh-wee. All right. On to this week's episode. All right, all right. Uh, another week of a little more good. We're very excited to be uh, sitting across the country on a little digital connection with our new friend, Kimberly Carroll. Welcome to the podcast, Kimberly. Oh, hey, fellas. So good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, of course. yes. And we, uh, we're connected through our mutual friend and uh, friend of the podcast, Anna Pippis. So just a Anna quick, Pippis, yes. we love you, Anna. <laughs> quick, quick shout out to Anna because we all, we all love Anna, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I miss, I miss drinking wine with Anna. So I really <laughs> miss, <laughs> if we're going to be honest here. <laughs> yes. Those, those meaningful meaningful connections shared over meals yes. or yes glasses yes. of wine and just going deep and having a having a good friend that you can laugh with cry with i'm sure just bounce your ideas and everything off of it's yeah she's oh wonderful. yeah we do power sessions like we do activism power sessions on a, a bottle of wine so it's what it's not all it's not all fun and games <laughs> we yeah. actually came up with like world domination plans so fueling change <laughs> that's right <laughs> uh, yeah it's, it's if you bring an intention to a bottle of wine there's a lot you can uh, process in uh, oh, co- yeah. a couple of drinks time. 
Yeah. Unfortunately, if, if there's not no recording mechanism, then you pretty well forget about <laughs> all those brilliant plans by the morning. But <laughs> Maybe that's a future podcast right there. That's right. <laughs> what, what we thought about, one bottle in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're so excited to kind of dive into to your work, and and we're we are in awe of kind of the the depth and um, the scope of your work from from coaching change makers to you know making major difference in in the animal activism and and vegan activism um, kind of communities. Um, we love to see you know bringing that intention into all aspects of your life and. Um, We'd love kind to kind of start with with where that where that began that kind of lens of intention whether that's coaching somebody and bringing out someone's best version of themselves or um, you know being an ambassador and a voice for for the voiceless kind of being there to to find the best in all kind of um, sentient beings whether human or, or four legged. Um, so maybe we can start with how you went um, from television to coaching and activism um, while using kind of the lens of the path of self and the path of service, those two kind of pillars that you, you lead with in your work. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so I, I always talk about um, these two pillars, um, the pillar of self and the pillar of service. Um, and in terms of, we need these two pillars and we kind of need them in, in equal amounts through our life and maybe not always perfectly equal, but in the great sum of our lives, we need to sort of find this, this balance between these two pillars and the pillar of service is, is, you know, as, as it, you can guess the pillar of service is about what's my contribution to this world? How am I going to make this world a better place by my being here? Um, how am I going to help this whole, this, you know, nature that I'm a part of? Um, and then the other one is the, is the pillar of self. And that is the pillar of, as far as we know, this is our one life. And we are here having this experience as a human, which um, requires us having that experience. It requires us um, having exploration and growth and being able to have joy and to be able to have hurt and to be able to fully be present and experience our life. And sometimes those two don't get along so well. Sometimes they absolutely dovetail into each other. Um, but I think the work I've found of, of my life and and those that I work with are to find that balance. So I'd have to say I started off my life. It's funny. I don't know if you are into astrology at all, and I'm not even sure how I feel about astrology, but my brother is an astrologer and he's quite brilliant. And one of the things he says that's interesting about my chart is that my south node is in Leo. Uh, And so your south node is supposed to speak to uh, where you're just is your default in life. Okay, where you start off with what's natural, what you, you know, just kind of easily fall into. And then the north node is where you're headed to your entire life. Okay, so so just using this as a framework, my south node is in Leo, which is all about performing and me and all that sort of thing, drama. And then my north node is in Aquarius, which is all about um, is all about service, brother sisterhood, you know, the whole. 
And so it's just very interesting because that's kind of the way my life has progressed. Mm. Um, as uh, I, I became a television host uh, in my early 20s, um, and I was in television as a host and producer for over 15 years, um, that came from me having a whole you know upbringing of being a performer. I was a classical singer and a classical guitarist. Um, I was into acting, and I also like being, you know, the director. I like bossing people around. And so TV was perfect for me. I could be on camera and I could sort of run the show a little bit behind the scenes. Um, and the thing, though, that I, you know, didn't realize was driving me and really almost sort of drove me over the deep end eventually was um, I did love performing. I love connecting. Uh, and to this day, I still love you know, presenting and, and all that sort of, sort of thing. But I realized there was a, a very desperate thing also pushing me and driving me in this direction of being a, a performer and being on camera and being famous. And that was just the whole, uh, you know, idea, that whole belief of not being enough, um, of not being, I mean, for a lot of people, it's not being good enough for me. It was just not being enough. I, I just was never enough of anything. That was, you know, and and we get these these original core wounds from uh, our childhood for the first ten years of our life, uh, you know, usually and and often from our families of origin, um, and then those can be the leading compass in our life for forever if we don't become aware of what we're doing. Um, so I was basically going through uh, life for the first, you know, half of my adult life, um, really feeling like my goal was to be excellent and to do things big. Okay. Excellent. Do things big. Not really for any particular reason. <laughs> and, um, and so you can imagine, uh, being excellent and doing things big was very exciting, but it was, it was like 70 hours a week. It was uh, eventually, you know, when I became like, semi-famous in some of the places that I was, you know, um, on television, it became very high pressure. Um, it, uh, was, and, and it was just no matter what I did, it was never enough in my head. Um, and so I think around 30, I, uh, luckily the fates conspired that I, um, it, SARS happened in Toronto. I got laid off from CBC. There was a writer strike. Everything was conspiring for me not to have work. And at the time, my uh, Australian street performer boyfriend, yes, I had one of those, <laughs> um, basically said, you know, let's, let's hit the road. You know, let's, why don't you pick up a street show? You know, and, um, and so we, I ended up going and doing the traveling that I had wished I did when I was young, uh, like when I was younger, but I couldn't do because if I left on a trip, oh my God, everybody would forget me and I would lose my place on the rung. And so all of a sudden I'm traveling around the world and I'm, I'm paying for my way around the world by doing a show out on the street in the, the squares of major world cities everywhere. <laughs> and basically, I'll just tell you, my, my big finale uh, in my hour-long uh, comedy music show was uh, lying on a pink bed of nails with a very large man um, standing on my stomach while I sang my grand finale. So... <laughs> Wow. And it's not on YouTube. Thank God it was free YouTube. <laughs> um, so I went from being like a kind of 
famous television host to like begging for money basically on the streets, half naked on a pink bed of nails. Um, and so that was, first of all, a little bit of a, it shook up my paradigm. It shook up my idea of, of what was success, of who I was without you know, my role, um, it shook up the idea of, of security and safety. I mean, if I didn't make enough money, if we didn't make enough money that day at street performing, we didn't have a place to stay, you know? So all of a sudden the rug came out from underneath my life. And luckily for me, it was sort of chosen. Um, so, so that made it a little easier to bear. Um, but, uh, this is a very long story, but getting to this place where I had already become vegetarian a few years before because I really cared about animals um, and I was really having a hard time loving animals and eating them. <laughs> I was really having a disconnect, you know, having a, a real moral struggle around that. Um, so I was already starting to tune into, hmm, there are things in this world that are bigger than my my appetites and my needs. Um, but it was when we went to India, um, in our travels and I spent a few months in India and there was something about being in India that really, really changed something for me. And it was, it was the proximity of the suffering. And there were people that, uh, were dying of leprosy when leprosy is absolutely curable. Um, there were people that were, you know, like sitting around fires in the middle of nowhere at night just to, you know, just to stay warm and alive and, and just sort of interacting with folks and being in that environment. I just went, Oh, this is bullshit. <laughs> like this is bullshit. We have enough resources in this world and the people shouldn't be suffering like this. Um, and of course the dog, the, the animals were also suffering. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, up until that point, my idea of, of animal activism was very theoretical because I hadn't been exposed to undercover footage. I haven't, hadn't seen anything behind the scenes. This was pre-internet. And so I basically was just doing it because I felt like it was the right thing to do on my own. Um, but this was the first time that like, I was like really faced with a lot of suffering. And at that point I just went, you know what? I can't just I can't just do this anymore just for the sake of like, because I'm good at it. I need to find a reason. I need to find, I need to make this world better. And, and I, and I really had a soul search around whether I should be in television anymore. Um, and because television, you know, I kind of had to sell my soul for television. Um, and, um, you know, so when I f returned, I actually got a really great, you know, show. I, I was, uh, you know, doing better than I ever did in television before, but I did it. I was doing it with the idea that, uh, television is a really powerful platform and I'm going to make it work for me and for what I believe in. And so that was the sort of trajectory that I started following. And so while I was doing these bigger shows, I was doing a lot of stuff on the side. I was starting to host, you know, uh, bigger activist events. I was putting my names on things. I was, you know, just basically trying to use television to further some of the causes I believed in. Um, and also, meanwhile, um, in this sort of journey towards activism, I was having a journey also 
into my own sort of inner world and into the big existential questions, you know, why am I here? What am I doing? You know, is there some, any purpose to any of this? Um, and so, uh, I, I was born to be a seeker, you know, (laughs) I was born to be a seeker. Uh, so, uh, like the first, when, as soon as this sort of world opened up to me, like, Oh, what? Not everybody's white and Christian. Um, oh, okay, <laughs> this is interesting. Uh, I came from you know small town Manitoba, um, and so uh, yeah, so I I really uh, I was really doing this this interesting journey of seeking, and that's when two of these things dovetailed once again, and that was um, that I wanted to produce uh, programming with purpose. And, and so that was sort of started my trajectory and really taking my, my journey of seeking seriously. I started working with, um, all sorts of gurus and teachers and, and really amazing people in the, uh, self-help and, uh, self-growth sort of scene. Um, and that's when I tripped upon, uh, a, a little modality called soul coaching. And it was this idea of, uh, it was it was a um, uh, coaching modality, uh, and this was before sort of uh, personal or life coaches were even a thing. Um, and there was a, a, a wonderful healer and writer named Denise Lin. So Denise Lin um, was a Ojibwe, also uh, practiced a lot of shamanism, and she just uh, brought this sort of idea of personal coaching, um, goal coaching together with uh, really accessing your inner world, but also accessing the elements of nature um, to, to bring some power into, into the equation. Well, I just took that training just more as, again, education for the things I was producing. But man, I went and I did the training with her and I was, I came out of it going, wow, this is powerful. Not only did it really hit me on a level I've never experienced, but uh, I could tell how powerful it was for other people that were at the receiving end of it. So I still at this point was never planning on becoming a coach. I mean, I'm I'm in television, I'm doing television, but I just kind of, there was like just this, this pull to explore this side of me. And so I started just casually like doing some coaching for friends or colleagues. And the more I did it, the more I'm like, whoa, not only is this really getting results, but I am opening a part of me that I didn't even know existed. And so slowly but surely, I, you know, I kind of got good enough that I'm like, I think I can charge for this, <laughs> you know, like I can, I could actually make maybe a living like doing this. And the next thing you know, it's what, uh, 13 years later and I'm a full-time coach. Uh, now I became, you know, the soul coaching modality that I started with was very, just the very beginning for me. Um, I took that, I took many different things, uh, you know, influences, teachers, um, a lot of the things that I had to go through myself to, uh, to learn and grow. And I really put them together in, in, in my own, uh, processes, my own modality. And what happened is because I was also growing as an activist very rapidly, um, I tended to start attracting a lot of uh, change makers, uh, nonprofit leaders, other activists, um, uh, social entrepreneurs. And I realized that working with them was 
really what, what resonated for me. It was really, that was like the golden place was to be able to work with the people who were changing the world to help the helpers. I love that. Thank you for, for sharing your, your story and how you got to where you are. And um, I've had a bit of a long life, fellas, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> my stories can be a little bit long. I apologize. <laughs> oh, no, it's it's never long enough. We want to hear all the details. Um, one thing that really stood out to me, though, was um, through your work in coaching and through your work in the activism side, you're really living a regenerative lifestyle. And I've, I've really loved the work of Paul Hawkins, like many of us do. And just kind of reframing the idea of sustainability to, to regenerative, like um, we don't need to sustain things because systems are broken and they need to, to improve or change. Whereas in a regenerative system, we're putting more back in than when we got there. So I feel like through your coaching with these change makers, through working with the animals, you're, you're adding more, you're giving more to these systems than there would otherwise be. So I feel like through through your lifestyle, it's it's regenerating and, and creating these these waves of of goodness. Um, I've never thought about there being regenerative people. That is amazing. Yes. 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 Yeah, I was listening to, um, it's from Paul Hawkins' work, but um, in his conversations with Darren uh, Olean from Down to Earth, they were talking about, you know, the goal is to be, regenerative not to be sustainable because mm. sustainable to be sustainable what are we sustaining we're sustaining a system that um is, is broken that is you know the earth is suffering the animals are suffering there's all this suffering so is that what we want to sustain or do we want to um create an existence where you know there's joy there's happiness there's there's you know collaboration um so a regenerative lifestyle becomes the goal and you know whether intentional or not i feel like that's what you're that's what you're doing mm-hmm. yeah I, I love that i'm I, just gonna go in and change the copy on my website <laughs> <laughs> there you go a regenerator um and in doing so i'd love to kind of unpack some of these these habits that you're you're filtering down from yourself to these change makers. So mm-hmm. um, just kind of going through your work, there's there's so many uh, tools and habits that you you kind of so generously share. So I thought maybe as a starting point, and I, I feel like we're gonna kind of jump jump around to different mm-hmm. different areas here, but um, maybe we can unpack some of the high performance habits. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's something that a lot of people miss. You know, they want something in their life. They want to be this or that. But it starts with consistency and it starts with habits. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe we can start with some high performance habits and some of your power tools for change makers. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's funny because so much of the work that I do with change makers is this sort of deeper inner healing work. Um, but I also understand once we found this place of empowerment, of, of you know, centering and, and resilience, um, we need to know how to do shit. <laughs> you know, like we need to be able to actually execute things, right? And so I always say, like, I am a bit like, I lie in the middle of, you know, this sort of healing work and strategy. Okay. And I, I try to bring those two together. Um, and so uh, I, I love inspiration, but I also love action. 
And so I love that, you know, we're starting with something more tactical because that's often what people are looking for. First of all, right. That, that a lot of people do come to me and they're like, ah, just tell me how I can get more done. And I'm like, "Mm, we might have to go back a little further than that, (laughs) but it's a really good place to start because when you can streamline some things, then you can have some space maybe to do a little bit more, um, inner, inner work and, uh, and self-exploration. So, uh, you know, it's the reason that I think high performance habits, you know, are, are so important is, uh, there just aren't nearly enough change makers in the world for the amount of problems there are. So we all need to be performing at a higher level than most. Um, and that means to me, not harder, but smarter. Okay. Otherwise we burn out and I'm sure, you know, many people in, you know, in your circles who have hit a wall of some sort, either mentally, physically, um, spiritually. And, um, and then that takes people out of the game for a long time, if not forever. So, so, you know, one of, I think the name, name of the games for me is, is to make sure that is not happening. Um, so we all need to figure out how to streamline and optimize both our time and our energy. And I'm always looking for habits to get us there. And they're, they're different for everybody, but I mean, I think some of the the umbrella habits are, you know, habits for increasing productivity. So, you know, systematizing things to stay efficient, um, not wasting energy searching for things (laughs) or reinventing the wheel. Um, And so uh, the whole reinventing the wheel thing um, could be something like you're putting standards of practice into place. Okay, so SOPs on how to launch an activism campaign or or, um, how you make a podcast, you know, you have this very complicated sort of uh, um, rundown that you go back to every time and you can itemize things. But it can be as simple also as making Sundays the day you make your lunches for the week, you know, or getting to inbox zero at the end of the day. Um, these are our, you guys, I, I see you smiling. <laughs> Is that an impossibility? I mean, we try not to be defined by our impossibilities, but uh, it's uh, probably something we're not leaning into. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to give you some hope because this girl here, I think before I did Inbox Zero a few months ago, I was, I had about 100,000 unread emails in my inbox. My Lord. And and so I had to just do it. And, And I've been Inbox Zero since. So yeah, yeah. And, and I just like, it's, it's a non-negotiable at the end of the day. I, you know, I file it, uh, put it on my list. I put the things on my list that are action items and, and I archive everything. So, you know, it's, it's just, again, not, it's doesn't, it's not necessarily right for everybody, but we're trying to find ways to not be so overwhelmed. Okay. Not like it's overwhelming in general to be in this society, right? Like, constant stimulation. But think about being a change maker, okay? You are like constantly seeing all the broken things in the world. And these broken things are not easy to fix. They are like decades long, maybe centuries long, you know, sort of projects. Um, And so we have a lot on our plate. And so we do have to, you know, be looking for ways that we can um, systematize and streamline. Um, The other, you know, habits and practices that are so important for change makers are, are the ones that keep you well. 
you know, meditation, exercise, uh, regular time with your fur kids. Again, that'll look different depending on who you are. And, and then there's the habits for power and influence, you know, ones that create clarity or creativity uh, or motivation or skill. And, and so it is, it really is just deciding, um, you know, what are the habits that you're most lacking right now that will take you to the next level as far as you and your important work goes, and then finding a system to make that happen and, and having accountability to make that happen. So, um, so, uh, you know, a couple, some examples of, of some high performance habits, uh, that I, I really, that have been really helpful for me. Um, I, I, I call it the five things. And so I used to have a to-do list that was, I mean, I still have a master to-do list that's stupid, okay? It's like, God, probably got a thousand things on them, all right? And that's my master list. And I don't look at that very often. Um, but what I do is I, at the beginning of every week, I look at what is what are the five things that around five things that I need to truly make uh, some a dent in what's meaningful to me. Okay. And that could be personal and that could be professional. And, um, and those five things are the ones that I'm going to focus on. And at the end of the week, come hell or high water, those are the ones that I need to get done. Okay. Because we have a way um, in this place of overwhelm of just running around like a person with their ha- their hair on fire okay we are just constantly um grabbing whatever is easiest to put you know whatever uh, fire is easiest to put out we'll grab that as opposed to going deeper into the stuff that's really going to make the difference that's really going to move the things that are closest to our heart and our mission forward Okay. So, um, from those five things that I do in the week, I also do five things for each day. So at the end of each day, I look at what are the five things tomorrow that are going to be those micro moves to get, get forward on these things that are really meaningful to me. Everything else is, 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 is bonus. Okay. Everything else is, is a bonus thing, but what, not only what this does is, is to really keep your eye on the prize and keep on, um, reminding yourself of the clarity of your goals, but it also, um, it gives you a a much better sense of accomplishment, which is creates momentum. Okay. So when you have that to-do list of thousands and, and you're like, instead of ticking off 10, you're adding (laughs) five each day. Um, you're feeling like a loser at the end of every day. You're feeling like I didn't do enough. I, you know, I'm, I'm not doing enough for, for this cause. I'm, I'm letting people down. I'm letting, you know, whoever down. Whereas if you've got these five things and at the end of the day, you can say, wow, I got those five things done. You you feel like a hero. And you know what happens when you feel like a hero? You want to take on the next thing. Okay. You feel like you're empowered. You feel like you could make a difference in the impossible. And that's what we need change makers to feel. We need them to feel like they can move mountains. Yeah. When you're, when you're scheduling those things, and I think it's such an important habit. And I know in my own experience, like when I don't kind of uh, intentionally plan out my time, my days or weeks and say, okay, this is this. And whether it's a schedule or whether it's like a, a, a to-do list, I feel like I'm no longer in the driver's seat of my life. And it feels like life is just happening to me and around me and other people or expectations are making the decisions for me. And that's never 
I, I know that when I live like that, I am not living like from my best place and I feel irritable and distracted. And so like, yeah, just simply like making that list. But I love the way you framed it is like not just make this huge list because then that can add to the perpetual overwhelm we already all feel, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but rather to break it down into manageable chunks. And you mentioned like uh, things that are good for us. Do you add those to your list as well? Because sometimes I think for a lot of people, um, the whether it's time for meditation at the beginning or end of the day or prayer or journaling or fitness or whatever it might be, those are the things we push to the margin because we will tell ourselves, ah, that's like less important than task XYZ. So when you're making those five things throughout the week or throughout the day? Like, do you schedule in um, time to just invest in yourself so you can have that path of self and path of other or path of service, like work together? Yeah, absolutely, Dean. Like such a good point because, um, I mean, a a lot of people think that um, things like um, reflection or joy or or pleasure are the icing on the cake. Well, what the hell is the cake then? You know, like, I mean, we, they, that stuff is what fuels us. Okay. As change makers, um, we are being hit so often with just the shittiness of, of the world, we're being hit by like, what is, what is bad and what is wrong, um, and the darkness. And so in order for us to not like just completely run out of gas, we need to be fueling ourselves every day. So, so I actually don't need to put those things on my list because they have become my high performance daily habits that I are non-negotiable for me. So I have a morning practice that has sort of my top, um, tools for centering and resiliency. And I do those first thing in the morning. I, um, I I get up, um, and I love doing this because it means getting up isn't so bad. I just go back to my bed and I, I, I listen. So my, my practice in the morning is, um, I grab my like little, uh, sort of, um, drink that helps to hydrate me. Um, maybe a little tiny little bit of decaf coffee. Um, and I, first of all, listen to something, uh, or read something that really is inspiring or empowering or, or teaches me something again, as far as self and, and life goes, not, I don't read a novel and I don't read a, how to build a cabinet book. Okay. Um, and then I meditate just for 20 minutes. I meditate. Um, while I meditate, I actually hang off the back of my bed because I also like to, uh, my, I like to get a stretch, um, in, and it also helps keep, to keep me awake when I'm, when I've got a little bit of a stretch. So that's just my little, I'm not recommending that's how everybody meditate, but that's the way I do it in the morning. Um, I hang off just so that I can get both a stretch and a meditation and not fall asleep. Um, and then I get out my, uh, notebook. I write, I do something called a mind dump for about five to 10 minutes where basically I have tea with myself. I write, you know, whatever's happening in my head, good, bad, or ugly. Um, I write about it. This is the space where I can complain. This is a space where I can be sad, pathetic. Um, and, and then I often kind of write back to myself, like, I'll write, you know, like, wow, I'm just, I'm really scared about this. Like, I don't know if I can handle it. And then, you know, in the next line, I'm, I'm writing something like, it's okay, sweetie, you know, we, I've got your back. 
it's not a big deal. Like screw it, you know, whatever it is. Um, and, and so having this, like this, this dialogue with myself, um, I, I call it a soul dialogue and I, you know, I, I think it's, it's a really handy tool to have. And then, um, I usually end with a, um, an appreciation list because I think again, um, it's so in our nature, uh, and our negativity bias to be always looking for what's wrong. And especially as change makers, always scanning for what the threats are, what the, you know, next problem is. Um, and so to be able to have a practice where we really ignite a radar in ourselves to look for what is good, um, again, is something that is fueling for us. And I think, you know, again, we, we need a counter action to all of, all of that, um, sad or hard stuff that we take in when we are people that are engaged in the world and, and conscious of what's happening. Um, and then I also, um, I also have exercises as a non-negotiable in my life between yoga, uh, running and weights. And so those, yeah, those are just there. And, and honestly, I still have a conversation in my head, um, almost every day when it comes time to work out. Because I will often work out in the middle of the day just to break it up. And this is the conversation that most changemakers have with themselves on a regular basis, just about taking time for themselves. And that is, um, you, you shouldn't be doing this right now. You have too much on your plate. You're being irresponsible. You need, you know, other people are relying on you. Go, you need to do this. You're selfish. Okay. That's the dialogue that still inevitably pops up in my head. Um, luckily that only lasts for five seconds because I have trained myself to say to this voice, thank you for your concern. But, um, the really wise and tuned in Kimberly decided that this was really vital and I'm going to trust her and not the panicky Kimberly. And so that's kind of what the journey is for a lot of change makers with this work. Okay. You're always going to feel like I got to just do, do, do serve, 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 you know, um, and, and give of myself. But the problem with that is that you are also a human being and you can't be fueled on giving all the time. Okay. You need to find ways to rebuild yourself, to rejuvenate yourself. And, um, and what happens when you don't do that? You, A, like I said, burn out and are no good to anybody, or B, you get, you're, you're just not feeling great as a, as a being. And often you end up doing more harm than help to the things that are important to you. You know, yeah. you know, the, the angry activist, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, sort of thing. I've, I've said it before. There's a great quote from uh, an author. Uh, his name's Parker Palmer. And he says, uh, self-care is never a selfish act. It's good stewardship of the only gift you have to give to the world. And oh, I just love that. Because like, love yes, it. yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I always say, um, if, you know, for people that I may be just starting to work with and they're like, no, no, I can't do, I can't do that. Like, you know, I feel too selfish. I'm like, okay, well, just think of the strategic element of it. If you are doing this work, you are going to become a a, a more a stronger person. You're going to become a um, uh, you're going to be more enduring, and also you are just going to be someone that people are more likely to want to emulate. And as change makers, that's one of our number one jobs: be a cool person right? It's not all about what we do um, or how we help. It's also about who are we? You know, are we somebody that people look at and go, 
What do they got going on? Huh, I might like to hear what they have to say. I might want to do more of what they're doing, right? Yeah, I love that that pause in the day for for self. I think it allows, I know when I do that for myself and I have that same voice you're talking about, like you don't have time for this, like you're, you should be doing this or that or a laundry list of, of, of things why I'm being selfish or, or not putting my business first or others first, but I know that I'm a better person after I've taken 30 minutes for a run or 15 minutes for a walk or, or five minutes to just take a breath. And I think we've kind of come from, you know, our parents' generation, the boomer generation, where like burnout and busyness was celebrated. If you weren't working to, you know, to grinding it out, hustling, then how were you getting ahead? And I think, um, you know, our generations have kind of, are we're trying to reframe that that in order to serve others we have to also serve ourselves mm-hmm. um and we can't show up for the world if we can't show up for ourselves if you're coaching others to be this change makers we also have to listen to that advice that we give others and it, it can take a moment to to realize that the love we give to others is also the love that we need to give to ourselves yeah um, absolutely you talked you kind of talk about, um, you mentioned these fires that uh, people can run around just putting fires out all the time and, and not see the big fire for, for the little fires in front of them. Um, if someone's stuck and they're just in in the process of, of living in, in, they're scattered, they're depleted, uh, their work's suffering, um, and they're only able to see the small fires instead of the big fire. What are some first steps that they can take to be able to see that bigger picture or that bigger possibility? Yeah. I mean, you got to take a bloody break, Yeah, (laughs) you know, I mean, you just have to, if you can't take a, a big break, like I'm talking, if you can't take a couple of weeks off, um, then you've got to figure out how to create some space in your life. Um, because space, space is where we can get present, okay? Space is the place where we can drop out of our head and into our whole being. Um, we have a society of people who are just like, they think they're just like heads running around, you know, like that. really, they're not embodied at all. And, and, and we, you're right. Like we have a society that's all about thinking. I, I think therefore I am, or I do, therefore I am. Um, how about just being therefore I am. And so, uh, to be able to step out of that myth, you know, and, and you, and the problem is it's so pervasive and it's so around that people just don't believe it. And I really have to get them when I first start working with them, I just have to say, look, I've gone through this. I've had hundreds of people that I've worked with go through this. And this is, this is the only way to do it. Okay. I've tried around over under, and this is the only way. And, and that gives them, okay, well, I'll, I'll give it a try. Um, but to be able to, uh, to be able to find ways that take you out of that rat race is the, is the very first thing that you can do. And maybe it just starts small. Maybe it's about 15 minutes a day where you just do something for pleasure. Okay. That's pretty, 
it's not such a such a hard thing. Although that can just lead to Netflix binging, right? Um, I mean, ideally, you're going to take a little bit of time to do nothing. Okay. Um, now, doing nothing uh, is is almost impossible for people these days because, again, we've been trained to be uh, stimulus junkies. And, and so that can be really tough. So that's why I, I always have, I always suggest exercises. Okay. I always suggest things like do a five minute mind dump, um, or, you know, uh, put on a couple of songs and, and move in them, feel your body, like get out some steam. Um, or, uh, I talk about again, just, um, uh, having maybe a, a little, uh, crew that you, you know, have a weekly session with that you, where you just talk about where you're at and how you're doing. Um, it's, it's really, it's really, uh, about figuring out what works in your life. Um, but I think one of the first things would be a morning practice, some sort of morning practice that sets you off on the right foot where you can, um, again, it, whether it's meditation and if people are thinking, oh, I'd like to try to meditate, I'm going to recommend find some good guided meditations. Some short, good guided meditations is a really great place to start. If you're going to sit down for the first time and try meditation, you know, and you got nothing, it's you're going to go nuts in the first, you know, two minutes. So find a, something to hang your hat on. I'm a big fan. I mean, I I lead a lot of meditations, and I I I I think my meditations are pretty good. Um, but I don't have a lot of them up for public consumption yet. But I will be on my website. Um, in the next few months. But uh, one of the places where I love to get guided meditations is Tara Brock. She is a uh, mindfulness Buddhist teacher. Um, I find her just so accessible. She has got hundreds of meditations online for free on her website, sitetarabrock.com. And it's a great place to start. Okay. The other place is um, I like to create um, breath breaks. So we use our phones for a lot of evil in our life. <laughs> Let's use them for a little bit of good. I, I use the word evil very loosely. Um, but uh, I, I think it's great to be able to, when you're, when you're first trying to sort of start a habit, to just put a, a reminder on your phone every couple of hours. And the very best first habit is breathe, you know? Put in capital letters, put breathe, put it, put a reminder for every two, two hours during your workday. And when that, that little reminder, make it pleasant sound, <laughs> not something annoying. When that goes off, stop everything. Even if you're in a meeting, just, they don't need to know what you're doing. Just take a deep breath and just feel it and just sense into this moment and the air on your skin and the solidness under your feet, and the sounds. And just come home to life, come home to now. Because that, it's the fear that keeps us running around, like we have our hair on fire, right? It's the fear that unless we get this all nailed down and taken care of, we're, we're in danger. Okay, we're going to get thrown out of the tribe or we're going to be powerless or whatever it is. And so in those little bits of space, if you can come home to right here, right now, and just go, okay, what's happening right here, right now? Am I in grave danger? 
no, I'm actually probably pretty safe. Even if I'm outside at a bus stop, I'm in a country where, you know, I'm relatively safe compared to the rest of the world. I have, you know, friends and family I could call if anything went wrong. Um, I, you know, like I, I have movement, I can speak, you know, I'm warm right now. Um, and not everybody has that when they check in. Okay. But, but generally we can find reasons to recognize that all of those fears that are constantly chasing us to do, 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 and think, 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 think they're, they're not actually here in this room. <laughs> they're, they're somewhere in this prison of the mind. Yeah. I love that. Just reflecting on what you're saying. We all create space to scroll on our phones and fill up that space with, you know, other people's lives and aspirations and and highlight reels. But if we were to reframe that and instead of spending, you know, 10 minutes every hour scrolling Instagram or TikTok, imagine we took five minutes to take pause and breathe And stretch. How about just a stretch? That's really good. You know, like if you're really not used to space, do some movement. Yes. Imagine, imagine the impact that would have if we all took a stretch break and a breath break instead of, I mean, we all get those notifications of how much time we spent on our phone in the week. And like, if, if anybody's like mine, there's a lot of time that I could be taking pause to breathe or stretch Mm -hmm. when I feel like I'm really busy. I'm just filling those those pockets with things where it could be spaciousness or pause or breath work. Um, so busy work. It's busy work. We, we yeah. get we get addicted to busy work, you know. And I and I really do feel like our our system gets hijacked by adrenaline, and because we're trying to get so much accomplished, and there's so much stimulus, and so when there is this break that we long for, we're just like jonesing for the next hit of stimulus, you know. And so instead of just like stopping and grounding and feeling our body in this 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 space. We're like, we grab for the first thing, okay? The first thing that, okay, well, this this will make me feel like my life is worthwhile. <laughs> this will make me, uh, this will make me help, uh, help get away from this, this terrorizing, you know, existential fear that's, you know, after me. <laughs> and so, and the, and the thing is, um, as of even just a few decades ago, we used to have spaces woven into our lives naturally. Okay. There were lineups at the bank. There was waiting for the kettle to boil. There was the first few moments after you woke up, there were all these places that, you know, people would get kind of bored, but they'd have, they'd have to be in space. They'd have to like start people watching or, you know, feeling what's happening with them. We have none of that now. Okay. With our phones, we have none of it. Okay. Everybody, um, everybody reaches for their phone and scrolls. And so one of my big, you know, things that I try to teach people when they're feeling, you know, burnt out and overwhelmed is, is the boundaries around social media and, and around electronics. You know, it's, um, I realize that we all need to be to, you know, plugged in to a point um, to be able to do effective work. Um, That's just the way of the world. But we need to have times in our life when we are completely safe. Okay. When no one can reach through the internet and grab us, you know, by the neck, because that's what it feels like sometimes. Right. Yeah. And so um, I'm a big believer of no, no, um, no going on the internet, no electronics in the first hour of your day. Okay. Quiet, 
just your own sanctuary of what's here now. Okay. I think they're, they say, um, oh my God, it's such a high percentage, but the majority of people in this world within the first five minutes of waking, get on their iPhones. Okay. And to me, that's like stumbling out of your front door when you first wake up and, and going into traffic. Okay. You're not ready. You're, you're vulnerable. You're dazed. You know, you're not ready to be out there. It's the same with the online world. You're not ready to be out there. Get yourself centered. Get yourself feeling safe. Get yourself empowered before you go out into the the wilderness. Mm. Yeah, it's so good. And those are the ways, like Zach had mentioned earlier, that idea of like regenerative living. Like yeah. those are the things that are going to give you space and and help set you up to enter into the chaos of our everyday without, you know, plunging headlong first thing in as soon as we open our mind, open our eyes to just like fill our minds with everything that's out there on the internet, good, bad and ugly and, and let it, you know, uh, consume and dictate maybe our mood for the day versus as, as you're saying, like, give yourself that space and invitation to, to wake up slow and to choose how you're going to start your day. I know, uh, we needed a new kettle and the electric ones are so good because they're just so fast. But I was like, yeah. no, no, we've got a gas stove. We're getting one that can sit on there and it's like, you know, mm-hmm. kind of beautiful to look at and it's going to take time to boil. And then now in the mornings, like that's the thing. I don't do anything while the water is boiling for oh, my tea it. or like I have a little four sigmatic like mushroom coffee thing. And it's like, you know, that moment is me just like standing there in the quiet, having that moment. And I love it. It's like the start of my kind of my morning routine is like to sit there and and wait for the kettle to boil. And it's so special and it feels so scandalous, like in our, you know, instant hot water on demand to be like, no, I'm going to wait for those little molecules to start dancing around in there and bubble. And, but it gives you that space. It gives you that time to think about something. And, you know, I said to my kids the other day, they're like, we're bored. I was like, awesome. Boredom is the birthplace of creativity. Like, go figure something out that you want to do. And we need that as a society. We need that, especially, you know, in the work that you do with people who are change makers. Like, those moments where we're sitting, waiting, wondering, stuck in traffic, or the phone's dead, and we're just left with our own thoughts. Like, how many people pinpoint those moments as when, oh, something finally clicked? Yes. Yes, right? we they're breakthrough moments. moments. It's unbelievable. Like, I mean, I wouldn't believe it if I didn't go through it all the time, but like, I'll be like, just pounding my head against a brick wall, trying to come up with a solution, trying to write something, trying to come up with a strategy. And I'm just like, F it, you know, and I, and I'll, I'll just go and, and I'll go for a run or I'll, you know, just read something or I'll just lie down <laughs> for a minute. And it's almost like clockwork. There's the answer. It's a perfect answer. I would have never gotten to that answer in the space I was in. It wasn't an answer from the intellect. It was an answer from my core, from my gut, you know, and if you're only in your head, you can't get those guts, you know, sort of answers. So, yeah. So I love that. Yeah. That's one thing I practice too. Um, Dean and I both, we kind of bonded over running and mm-hmm. Through practice, I've learned that if I'm stressed or overwhelmed or I have a problem that I'm not sure of the answer, usually the best first step is to go for a 30-minute run because I'll have a whole new perspective by the end of that 30 minutes. And if I don't, sometimes like a bit of a sports analogy, like you can't score when you're holding the stick too hard, I'll just my grip on the stick will be too tight and I'm not able to 
you know, get the shot off that I need, but giving some space, going for a run allows things to sort out. And I was just kind of thinking about the cell phone stuff there and, and how we're talking about regeneration. And I know your your history and animal activism. And I was thinking like cell phones are kind of like it's 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 big egg, it's forestry, it's like we're burning all of these resources that is our own time, our own currency, our own energy. Whereas if we're taking time to breathe, to stretch, to move, we're actually regenerating our own self-worth and our own self-capacity. So we have this these choices that are either diminishing or um, diminishing our time and our ability or they're giving us more. So what practices give you more and which practices diminish your your energy and your capacity and just kind of I'm reflecting on this right now like what what of my own practices regenerate and which ones diminish and and um you know that's a light bulb I got from this conversation so thank mm. you for that and you know what Zach it it changes what diminishes something can uh how, like can expand you and and diminish you depending on where and when it is like for example sometimes uh you know chocolate it makes me feel crappy about myself i ate too much and sometimes just giving myself a deliberate you know like piece of chocolate and i just love it and i savor it it's the best thing for me okay and so it's really about getting deliberate okay um you know dean you talked about this whole idea of just being pushed around. And I, and I talk about that. I talk about when we're not deliberate, um, we become like a plastic bag that's just being tossed around by the wind all our life. Okay. Um, we, uh, we are reacting to life. We're not creating. And, and so this idea of, um, just realizing that the more deliberate you are, um, that you can create something really fantastic and you can also have something that feels really good. Um, so yeah, so deliberate. Um, so being able to figure out, um, especially online, when it's time to be online. Uh, so for example, when you go online and you're not ready for it, it's a disaster. Uh, I talked, you know, to lots of lots of animal rights people because there's a lot of graphic imagery. There's so many sad things. You go online and everything, and I'm like, do not wade into those uh, rabbit holes until you're feeling really um, strong and centered and grounded. And and I actually give that advice, and this this goes for any social justice movement. Um, don't expose yourself to this pain and suffering all the time. Don't have a slow drip of it. Okay, because that's the recipe for you being just a puddle on the floor constantly, whereas uh, we do need to see stuff. Okay, um, in, in fact, in my line of work, uh, because I also work part time for animal justice, I mean, I'm, I'm working on an investigation right now. I, I actually have to watch footage. That's the worst of the worst. Um, and so and I need to do that to be able to do my job well, to be able to serve the animals well. Um, but I'm not going to do that until I'm absolutely right and ready to do it. Otherwise, um, it, 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 it's completely a 
useless, in fact, a harmful exercise. So I always say, um, you know, if there's stuff online uh, or a collection of things, uh, you know, create a little a little space for it online, create a folder, create a tab uh, or a window where you have these things and you come back to it, say once a week or twice a week, when, like I said, you've had a chance to take some deep breathing, you have some space, you know, afterwards to decompress from it, um, that you that you feel like safe enough and and that you feel centered enough to be able to, re, you know, uh, rejuvenate afterwards. Okay. Cause a lot of the stuff will take you down and, um, and, and you need to sort of gird yourself a little bit so that it doesn't. Yeah. I, I, I think that's great advice. Cause I feel like either it can overwhelm you or it can desensitize you. Um, uh, if you're, mm-hmm. if you're just watching, um, you know, all the amazing documentaries or, or YouTube uh, kind of clips on on what's happening in various, you know, social activism movements. If you start to become desensitized to it, you know, your compassion goes and, and it just it normalizes pain and suffering and, yeah. and the problems of the world. So we need to stay compassionate, right? Absolutely. And, and we, um, we need to keep on connecting to our why. We need to keep on connecting to the love that brought us to what we're doing. We get so focused on what we're fighting against, we forget what we're fighting for. And and that and that's huge. Um, I mean, I, I'm going to argue that at the base of every um, social justice movement, it's love. It's love. It's th- it's the love for you know uh, equality. It's the love for um, uh, freedom. It's the love for um, you know d- caring for others. Um, and so to be able to connect to that and 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 feel into that is is a really great motivator um, when we're feeling like we've we've just we're losing our 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 connection to why we're doing what are what we're doing so yeah. So yeah. I think that's a big thing too for like highly motivated people who you know as you've said like we can look out and see all of the ways that you know the goodness of our world is being violated and we can see you know so many places where things are happening that you know, our, our injustices around the world, that it can be, it can be a state of overwhelm. And, um, we, we want to be able to see those things, but not to the point where, you know, it's, it stops us from the work that we're doing. Right. And I mean, I know you've talked, you talk a lot about this and I think you have, you're working on a book to like help address this with people to Mm -hmm. lean into like how, how to change the world and be it, be a change maker, but do so without, without losing control or without feeling so overwhelmed because that basically renders the most potent change maker, you know, if they're, if they're unable to go out and face the world because of all Mm -hmm. the negativity around them, like that's you, you're what a loss, what a waste. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's finding those ways where we can, we can lean into that and, and see the bad, but not be over overcome by it, not be overwhelmed by it. Well, here's another very big part of the equation, though. Um, we are going to see things. And the pro- what gets us to sensitize is when we don't have a space to process what we've seen, what we've taken in. Okay. When we don't know what to do with the pain, we shut down. And that is the root of not just 
problems for change makers, but the entire world can be, you can bring it down to if we could only deal, if we only had healthy ways of dealing with our pain, none of what's happening in this world would be happening as far as overconsumption goes, wars, you know, divisions, none of it would be happening. Um, unfortunately, we're not taught that skill in school, <laughs> go figure. <laughs> um, but it's something that change makers, people that care about the world, people that are engaged, they need to know how to process pain. Okay. And so um, even, you know, Zach, you mentioned seeing these heavy duty documentaries. Well, when you're done that documentary, don't just go on your merry way. You need to actually sit with it and, and you need to do something to process the pain. Um, that there's there's a myriad of things you could do. You could you could just do a, a stream of consciousness, writing out like everything that's like you're feeling, you're thinking, just sort of get it out of you and onto the page. Um, it's it's really it's a form of catharsis that you need to do, okay? Um, so that you are not staying stuck in this, but you're also not skipping over it, okay? You're actually processing it through your system, so then you can release it. You can take what is valuable about it and and whatever is not serving you, you can let go of. But when you brought up running, I'm like, that is, it's movement is one of the most powerful ways of processing pain. Okay. And, and that's because our thoughts become emotions and our emotions actually become sensations in our body. They become a physiological change in our body. So what a great way to be able to um, short circuit this pattern, but to change your physiology. Okay, to shake something up, to change the chemistry of your body. And then you can all work on changing the thought and changing, you know. Um, and so whether it's running, um, I like to call it cathartic cardio. Um, so if you do any kind of cardio, I, I invite you um, before you do your cardio to just check in and go, is there something I'm, I've got in my body that, that some sort of discomfort, some sort of pain, and I'm not talking about physical pain, I'm talking about emotional pain that does feel like physical pain, um, and, and just kind of go, okay, yeah, I've, I've just got, I've got a lot of bloody anger in me. So uh, um, I actually have playlists for almost every dark feeling, and I, I put on my, uh, I put on my play, my uh, anger playlist, it's, 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 it's loud, it's aggressive, it, it, it actually amplifies the anger, and I run into that music, Okay, I run to that music. I I let it take me over. I let that feeling that I've been sort of holding at bay that's that's uh, leaking so much of my energy, keeping it at bay, and I let it out. Okay, it's in my it's in my my steps. It's in you know the way I hold myself. It's in my movements. Um, and same thing, you can do that on a stepper. You can do that in any form of um, of cardio. And really, what I usually find is by song three. I've, I've given it a good space. It's gotten expressed. Okay. And then I can move on to a playlist that makes me feel like free or a, a piece or whatever it is that is left after that feeling is gone. And it's not just anger. I do it with, I, I'll do it with grief. You know, I'll do it with um, uh, confusion or overwhelm. Um, and, uh, and it's about, it's about going into it. And if you don't have a cardio, here's a really quick shortcut just do a shakeout. Okay. Like honestly feel like, okay, so let's just do it right now. Just, and everybody who's listening, just do it right now. Just close your eyes and just feel where in your body you've got some junk. Okay. And you don't even need to know what the junk is or where it comes from. Just something that feels like it's heavy on you or tight or it's burning or it's fear or it's, you know, it's just uncomfortable. 
And I want you to notice where in particular in your body it is. It might be all over, but the place where it's most intense. And now what I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you to breathe right into that place in your body, right into that place in your body. And on the exhale, I just want you to shake it out. Okay. I just want you to feel like you could shake that sort of that free, that place in your body, like you could loosen it up. So shaking out your head and your shoulders and your hips and your stomach and your face, even the expression on your face, shaking it all out, just just shaking it all out and then letting everything go slack. And I'm just coming back to eyes open. And I know that I sound like a maniac. <laughs> no, that's but great. do you feel a little bit, just a little bit of an opening, maybe a little bit of a loosening? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's funny. We're both parents. And when our kids are, are in a mood, we'll say, shake your sillies out, you know? Sometimes it's like the the basic little yeah. things. That shake your tell. rage out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, as as an aside too, there's a there's a run group in New York called Rage and Release that uh, if you're ever down in New York, you'll have to go that's run with them because that's part of the practice. Like they actually like before they run, they'll scream or they'll just like bring out what is causing them rage and they'll release it and run. And wow. I think it's so cool. I love that, Zach. Thank you for telling me about that. Totally checking them out. I'm writing it down right now. <laughs> Rage and release. Um, One question I have for you. um, So we've seen a lot of division in the past years, whether it's, you know, politics or through the pandemic. Um, We've seen a lot of I'm this, I'm that. And people are like ready to go to battle over belief systems or Mm -hmm. things they believe are their belief systems. So can you can you touch on dealing with conflict as a, a status quo breaker and a bridge builder technique? Like how do we take these walls and create bridges instead of walls? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, this is such a piece that's close to my heart. I have just I've seen divisions within movements just take down amazing initiatives and organizations, and I mean. Healthy, healthy debate within uh, within a group is very important. Um, being able to express what isn't working for you is very important. But there's a way to do that that doesn't destroy. <laughs> um, and so, I, 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 you know, some of the tools that really help me um, when I'm dealing with um, that d- desire to strike out, and, and which feels really good in the moment. Um, but hurts you and and adds just the shittiness out in the world, you know, that you're trying to heal, you're actually creating more of what you're trying to fight, right? And as uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. And so I always try to remember that we have to, as, uh, as, as people who want to see a better world, we need to act like we are in that better world. Okay. We can't be shitty until the world is better. No, we have to be better and then the world gets better. So, so some of the things that help me is, um, strategically to remember that everyone is a potential ally. Okay. As Far off as they may seem from it, it may not be in this lifetime, but you know, that, that everyone has the potential to understand, to make a change. Like I think in terms of 
um, you know, meat eater, when I'm talking to a meat eater uh, and I'm a vegan, okay, and I think, okay, well, uh, some of the most voracious meat eaters, including myself, <laughs> um, can eventually become some of the best vegans, right? Talking to um, two of them over here too. Yeah, yeah, we're like we're like former meat addicts, <laughs> fellow former meat addicts. Yeah, and um, and so uh, so so just being able to approach every conversation, not like this is my enemy, I'm going to take them down, but this person is a potential ally. It may not be in this conversation. It may not be in one in 20 years, but there's always the potential. I also like to keep in mind that hurt is mostly caused by those who are hurting. And what that does to remember that is it takes the monsters out of the equation. So we're so busy making monsters in this world, like monsters to fight, like this person is evil. Um, and it's like, hmm, no, actually, they're just kind of a little boy who never grew up. And that's not giving them a free pass and not saying that you're not going to have boundaries or you're not going to take serious action to stop this person from what they're doing. But it's the energy you do it in. It's the energy of basically going, oh, those poor effers, you know, they know not what they do. But I got to stop them. But I'm not doing it because I hate them. I'm doing this because I, I got to stop them. And so it's just that idea of that even when you're standing up and, and, and getting bold and even being in, in somebody's face, you can still do it with, with that love in your heart and real, recognizing that you are me and I am you, you know, and, and, and so I don't hate you. I just need to stop you. Okay. Um, I also love uh, recalling when I'm with somebody that I'm starting to judge that I once was this person, or I am this person in another way. You know, um, for example, um, I, if I'm I'm sort of judging somebody because they're uh, not understanding privilege, white privilege. You know, I'm I'm like, well, I can remember back when I kind of got my back got up a little bit when there was the talk of oh, white women, blah blah blah. You know, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's what it felt like, and and I it was so out of fear. It was so out of fear of feeling like, um, I don't have any excuse to not be spectacular. <laughs> you know, like I got, like, I have no excuse. Like I'm not special because I was given everything and I still didn't make anything of it. So, um, so I, I, I kind of try to put myself back in, in, in those shoes or, um, you know, maybe it's not in the same realm. Like maybe, uh, you can't, you, there's never been a time when you weren't say vegan, um, which is highly unlikely, but uh, you know, there was never a time, but, but you do fly a lot, you know, and you know that that is, um, not that's damaging in some ways. Okay. And, and so we've all done something that was damaging and we either tried to deny it or rationalize it, connect to that time. And that really like just dissipates. It's like, oh yeah. I'm that person. I was that person. And that I wasn't a monster. Okay. I wasn't a monster. I was just somebody who didn't know. I was somebody who wasn't capable of knowing. Okay. It's not even a, just about, they haven't gotten the information, but some people aren't capable of processing the information, of getting the information of, or even of acting on the information. Okay. For if they could have done, if they could do better, they would, but at this point in time, they're not able. So those are some of the things that, that help me. Uh, and also one last thing, just when in doubt, get curious, get curious. What's going on with this person? Where are they coming from? Don't just think of others as opponents. 
think of them as these beings with their own universes inside of them. Okay. Don't, you know, depersonalize everybody. Don't make everybody objects. Just like a lot of people do to animals. Don't do that to other humans. Yeah. I think that's, that's such a great, uh, great point because we like to other people, we like to other animals and it's easier to dismiss or to hate or to divide when we don't see ourselves in others. And I think when we can find those qualities and see ourselves and and know that we are that person or we have been that person or maybe we will be that person. Yes, um, absolutely. That breaks that division down. And and I love that curiosity. That's something that Dean and I have been exploring a lot lately of of wanting to be wrong or just wanting a curiosity to to understand perspectives that in the past maybe um, triggered us. Now we're curious to, that's that's an invitation to ask questions versus um, an opportunity to, to walk away. Now we're like, oh, okay, let's, let's explore this. Like, this is interesting. Love that. And you know what, what you can use that curiosity for too is curiosity for yourself when you don't perform or don't do what's in your integrity. Like what's, what's actually happening here? Like, instead of going, you are such a piece of shit and, you know, and like, why aren't you doing, you know, what is wrong with you? This conversation, like, Hmm, what, if you're not in your integrity, I know you're a decent person. So if you weren't in your integrity, there must've been something that was scaring you. Okay. There must've been something that scared you to not be in that place. What was it? And the kinder that you can be in that inquiry, the more amazing it is. Okay. It's, it's this, this sense of like, I actually have conversations with myself where I'm like, Hey buddy, or, you know, or, or sweetie, like what's really happening here. Okay. And, and so, um, I mean, that's, that's sort of one of the last pieces of the puzzle that I think is, is so important. And what I really try to put forth in my work is, is that, that, that self-relationship, um, when we have the entire world kind of against us, uh, you know, as change makers, we at least have to have our own back. And most of us don't. Okay. Most of us are so busy beating up on ourselves, telling ourselves that we're not enough. And maybe, you know, it's not even that conscious, but we're, we're doing that. And so to be able to um, also uh, apply that sense of um, curiosity and understanding to ourselves, like, if you didn't do better, it's because you weren't able to. What's in the way? And again, it's not giving yourself a free pass. I like to think of it in terms of when you're a really good parent, okay? I'm imagining you're both very good parents. And imagining that one of your kids comes home and says, I did this really bad thing. And, and they tell you what it was. And it's bad. And as a parent, probably the first thing you're going to say is, if you're a really good parent, is is I love you. No matter what happens, I'm here for you. Okay. And then it's going to be to take them and to say, okay, buddy, so this isn't you. What happened? Like what, what, where did that come from? What, what were you scared of? What was the story you were telling, you know, about yourself or the world that made you act this way and help to come to that understanding Oh, well, of course you, you, um, you know, broke this because you were afraid if you didn't, that nobody would want to play with you anymore, you know, or whatever it is. Um, 
And so, and at that point, once there's that grace and that understanding, then there's space to take real responsibility and take action. Okay. If you don't get to that place of understanding, it's just all about deflection. Okay. It's just all about like, oh, it's their fault. And I didn't do that. You know, all that sort of thing. The moment that you can say, ah, I get it. That's why, that's why it wasn't really your fault. Okay. On, on the deepest sense of the love of, of, of life, it really wasn't your fault. Um, but it's your responsibility. How are we going to take care of that? And then as a good parent, you'd help them problem solve, help them figure out, do they need to fix something? Do they need to adjust something? Do they need to build new skill? And, and you help them carry forward with it, with it. That's the model for how you work with yourself. Yeah, I really like that. And I think that it's really important for, for all of us to remember that we almost have to start there. We have to start with ourselves Absolutely. before we can do it for others. And I mean, that's been like the the story that you've told this whole conversation is like the journey from, you know, self to then serving others and, and being able to look at yourself and say, okay, what was going on in me that I reacted or acted that way? And then giving yourself grace, but also accountability to, to continue to be aware of those patterns and then to work to do better. And one of the things, um, Kimberly, that you shared like really early on in the conversation um, was something you said about how, you know, you were this like highly motivated person doing lots of things, getting lots of stuff done. And I mean, you clearly still are that person, but you also mentioned that within that, the motivation was from a place of like never feeling like you were enough. Mm -hmm. And I wonder like, what is the conversation that you've had with yourself to still remain highly motivated, like a high functioning person who is helping other people and really up to great stuff in the world, but shifting that why or shifting that motivation saying it's not about, you know, uh, coming from a place of I need to prove something to myself or to whomever, right? We all have our people that <laughs> we're trying to show that we're all we're worth it or whatever. But how has that conversation shifted or, or what did it look like to say to yourself like, no, this is this is not because you need to prove anything or because you're not good enough, but this is the work that you can do because this is like who you really are. What has mm -hmm. that looked like for you? Yeah, it's the difference between being chased in your life and being called in your life. And so we talked about this idea that a lot of us are working because uh, we're fighting and we're, we fight because we're being chased usually. Um, and so for me, it was, and it was a real thing I had to deal with because once I didn't have that drive so activated to be good enough, I did lose a little momentum, you know, and I think that's what every change maker is afraid of with doing this work. But then what all I had to do was I, I, I had to look at, Where's the love? You know, um, I realize that I have some qualities and some skills that can bring a lot of love and comfort um, and, and, and empowerment, you know, into the world. And I want to do that. It makes me really happy when I see somebody else's pain lifted, you know, um, it, it, it really, um, I just, it just, it just feels great, you know? And, and so I just think in terms of, I can't help everybody all the time, but I can certainly help this corner of the world. And I've figured out what my specific talents and, you know, skills are and, and personality that, that I can best bring to this world. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm just keeping on keeping on with, with them, you know, because, uh, 
because I found a way that that I can be a I can help. And um and I balance that with again um realizing that I am also one of those that needs to be helped. You know? I always joke that um you know we don't liberate a, a, an animal you know say a pig from a factory farm and then just say okay now get to work you don't have a second to rest you don't no joy for you and you're not getting to run around and and, and you know nose in the in the grubs no get to work freeing all your compatriots now you know no more joy for you no joy for you and it's like no we don't do that we are animals too we are also you know we also need our love and compassion so yeah so so I think for me it it it, it is it's a joy now. I try to do things from a place of love and a place of joy. And as soon as I'm doing them from a place of uh, not enough, of from lack, then I need to step back and I need to recenter. And it happens all the time. Don't get me wrong. I'm not always doing it from love and inspiration. I am all, there's often, uh, it's a lack that's motivating me or, or you know, but but I've learned to recognize that and I've learned how to, to step out of, again, that merit ground that is very, very sickening. Just kind of on this note, you might have just answered it, but thinking about that pig and you're saying, okay, you take take some space, don't go back and try to save all of your compatriots maybe take a moment before you do that um if we're that pig and we're just kind of uh living in our trauma if we're if we have uh damaged beliefs and patterns how do we shift and heal those damaging beliefs and patterns so that we can be clear and confident in our choices yeah i mean it's such important work to do um and for those who are, and there's, there's so many of us that do have trauma in our lives. Um, and it's so very important to heal that or, or it will be the thing that drives your life, you know, and not for the better. Um, so it's, it's, it's very important. Like so many of the things we discussed, I mean, first of all, you've got to create the space to do the healing work. Okay. You have got to have a, uh, a vehicle for that healing work whether that be a coach or a therapist, whether it be a book, whether it be a program, um, uh, whether it be meditation, you need, you need a vehicle. Um, and then you need accountability for that vehicle. And it also helps to have community to support you in, in that. Um, and so in very simple steps, you know, that's the first thing to do. Step back, space, and then find find your vehicle. I mean, and again, uh, everybody's uh, different vehicles are going to work for different people. But um, I do have a starting point for you. Um, this isn't maybe just it's not for trauma. For trauma, I'm really going to recommend that you 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 get some you get therapy. Um, that you work with a professional that can really um, uh, guide you through uh, this this work. Um, I I work with. Um, uh, I counsel undercover investigators as part of my work. And so you can imagine the trauma in there. And, and there are some very specific um, uh, exercises, techniques um, to be used around trauma that, again, nobody's taught ever in, in regular life. And they should be. But you need somebody who can expertly, because uh, trauma that feels absolutely like you could never like even enter into can become dissipated with the right tools. Um, and so, uh, sorry, and I was going somewhere else with this. Oh yes. The thing I was going to offer. Um, so this isn't for trauma, but this is for any change maker or any person that's, you know, cares about the world that would like to be able to, um, start 
playing with some of these tools we talked about, these ideas. Um, I have a, a course. It's a free course. It's a, a, a video mini course called uh, Power Tools for Changemakers. And it's all about um, building that sort of resilience and joy um, and centering in your life to be able to be the most effective and enduring um, uh, advocate that you can. And so um, that's just on my website at KimberlyCarroll.com. Amazing. We'll, we'll link that up. Yeah. And you'll have me talking at you for for five days and we'll have fun together. And I'll take you deeper into a lot of these things we touched touched into. Amazing. Um, I've got one last question and then maybe Dean, we've got a closing question we ask everybody. Okay. Um, just thinking about all of the things that you've shared, you know, we're both parents. If you can think about the young younger version of Kimberly Carroll when you're maybe in elementary school or high school, what do you think we need to be teaching younger generations, whether that's kindness or compassion or self-care? Um, you know, we learn a lot of a lot of things in school, but we don't necessarily learn how to take care of ourselves or the tools that we need to be adults. If you were to go back and teach the young younger Kimberly you know, a few essential takeaways, what would you make sure you're distilling in yourself? Yeah, um, well, I think one of the things that is just so important to teach, I mean, I've mentioned a couple of times in the school system, but I, I do think being able to sit with your own pain, uh, being able to breathe into your pain and knowing that it's not going to kill you um, is one of the most powerful tools one can have as a human because it automatically makes you more courageous. Uh, but I think particularly for little Kimberly, I would probably tell her to not give a fuck. <laughs> I tell her not to worry so much about what people think. Um, I tell her that those that are worth knowing are going to be okay if you're imperfect and you mess up a little. Um, those that are good peeps that you want in your sphere are going to let you unfold at your own pace. And they're going to be curious about what comes along. And the rest of them, let them go. Let them go. Yeah, that's sage advice for all of us, I think. Mm -hmm. We put a lot of stock in what other people might think about us. And you know yeah. what? Most of those people are thinking about themselves anyway. <laughs> yes, that's right. I love that um, Schitt's Creek, uh, the uh, the show Schitt's Creek uh, has a, uh, a show where um, David and his sister, are, David's paralyzed about a, a driving test because he's so concerned about what the, the instructor is going to think of him and, you know, all that stuff. And, and his sister says, you know, David, nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody's paying attention to you. You know, and he's like, no, they're not. And it's true. We th we we're the center of our universe, but we're not the center of other people's universe. So we have to remember that everything we think we're, you know, everybody's noticing. They're not noticing it. They're seeing it with like sort of blurry <laughs> sort of vision. And so, yeah, don't be so afraid to make mistakes. Don't be afraid to fall down and take some risks um, as change makers. You know, it's 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 part of our our our, our job is is to is to kind of say yeah th this society it's not a society i i want to let their judgment um uh, inform how i i do things i their their good judgment is not uh important to me because this is a society that is really broken well 
We're so we're so grateful for all that you've shared with us today. Uh, there's so many good takeaways from this conversation, and I feel like in many ways we just scratched the surface of of all of the work that you do um, from your from your coaching, um, all of the resources that you have online. Uh, you mentioned your website, KimberlyCarroll.com, um, that people can check out and and I mean re- just reading your story is incredible and inspiring to the work that you're doing with um, animal justice and helping you know people see uh, the importance of, of caring for others that are both human and the animals around us. Um, you're just up to incredible things in the world and you are uh, one dynamic person. So thank you for no. taking the time to be with us today and share a bit of yourself and your story and your work with us and our, and our audience. We really, really appreciate it. Mm, well, I learned so much, you guys. Like you really, I, I've, I've written a f- copious notes of things you've mentioned. So it's great. Amazing. And we always do, as Zach mentioned, love to close uh, with this one question that we ask uh, our, our guests at the end. Um, so Zach and I, um, I guess I guess we wanted to be change makers in the world. And we started this podcast as part of that um, sphere of change that we could see. We talk about the positive trail that we leave behind us or, or you know, the idea that like we, we throw a pebble into the water and it ca- causes these ripples and they go to places that we might not even see. And um, we named the podcast A Little More Good knowing that that's what we wanted to do and see and kind of be about in the world. And we just love to hear from our guests. Like what does that little phrase mean to you? A Little More Good. Mm-hmm. What it means to me is it doesn't have to be the whole enchilada. The stars don't have to align for you to do what is important and meaningful for you. Um, It can be done in tiny little bite-sized pieces. It can be done imperfectly. It can be done messily. But let's just do it. Let's just get out there, make some mistakes, fall down, learn brush ourselves off and keep growing. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Thank you, Kimberly. Just to echo Dean, uh, grateful for, for the work that you are doing. Uh, you're benefiting so others. And, and, you know, this is something we do say to change makers like yourself. Dean, Dean mentioned these ripples and they're often invisible. Um, in your case, it, it's very evident that these these ripples are are creating you know waves of goodness, and and we're we're grateful for you, and we're grateful for the space that you hold, and grateful for this conversation. So thank you so mm-hmm. much, Kimberly. Thank you, and let's build this army of loving change makers, folks. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you have it, friends. Kimberly Carroll inspiring, invigorating change makers around the world, people like yourselves who want to do a lot or a little more good in the world. There we go. Share this with a change maker in your life. Share with somebody that inspires you. Share it with someone that might need some inspiration. Yeah. Uh, the best way to uh, help us spread more goodness is is sharing these episodes with your friends and family, writing a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, um, you know, we love reading the reviews, seeing what people have to say. Uh, we're just kind of looking at our Apple reviews right now. And we got our, we got our first one star review. So, so good. Thanks so, mom. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for, for tuning in. Um, you know, we love the good and the bad. So, right. uh, there's room for improvement and growth and a little more good for, for all of us, you know, yeah. especially from those one stars. So. <laughs> 
That's good. But honestly, the podcasts that I follow the most and listen to the most uh, have been ones that people have texted me. Usually Zach has just texted me a podcast, but like, you got to check this out. And uh, I'll listen to the episode and then I find myself really liking the format, the quality, the conversation, and I start looking at different other the other guests and that's it. Then I add it to the queue and I'm, I'm a regular listener. So it means a lot. If you enjoyed any or all of these episodes, uh, send it to a friend because that's the best way you can help us out is just to grow, grow the podcast through the word of mouth. We, we appreciate each and every one of you that listens. So thanks for any and all shares and reviews. All right. One to five, baby. Let's go. <laughs> all right. Until next week. Stay good, y'all. Peace.